Welcome back. This is Sam. And this is Corrine, and we are two Ankh Ducks. So this week's episode, we're going to be focusing on porphyrias. This is a very timely topic since today is my favorite holiday, which is Halloween or All Hallows' Eve. Porphyrias are actually the diseases that many people believe to start the vampire legends. And so this is due to the blistering of the skin when exposed to the sun. Skin can tighten around the mouth, which shows more prominent of the canine teeth, giving us the suggestion of fangs for vampires. The discoloration of skin and patients affected by porphyrias can make them very pale. And finally, urine and porphyria patients can take on a reddish color, leading some to believe that they were drinking blood. And so that is where the vampire legends came from. But in all seriousness, guys, we're going to go into the important details on what you need to know regarding porphyrias and from presentation to treatment. Sounds like a lot of medical folklore, but most (laughs) importantly, are porphyrias tested heavily on our boards? They are not. Thank goodness, because this whole episode is a mouthful of lots of complicated words. Um, but even though that it's not the highest yield topic, it is technically fair game for a hematology boards. You will hear about this on your consult services. And it's easy questions to get right with a little bit of memorization. But also, if you're running out of time for board studying, this can be a topic that you can skip. And when in doubt on test day, guess acute intermittent porphyria or porphyria cutanea tarda. Yes, definitely not a lot of questions, but does come up on our heme consults. So, you know, pay attention to some of these key facts. And so let's jump right in. What are porphyrias? So in the most basic sense, porphyrias are metabolic disorders of defects within the heme biosynthesis pathway. And what are common clinical features of porphyrias? So the nature of each porphyria is different, but common symptoms for all porphyrias include things like photosensitivity, and this is from the accumulation of porphyrins in the skin, neurologic lesions, which is from the accumulation of ALA, which interacts with our GABA nerve endings, and the neurologic lesions can be things like severe abdominal pain, peripheral neuropathy, proximal myopathy, and mental disturbances. And so these these symptoms are usually exacerbated by environmental triggers. This can be things like medications, bodily stresses, and smoking. So they'll give you probably those buzzwords in the vignettes. Definitely. And how do we break down the different types of porphyrias? So for this episode, I split them into two categories, acute porphyrias and chronic cutaneous porphyrias. And so start us off with our acute porphyrias. What are these? So the most commonly talked about, and hopefully the only one that you guys would be tested on, is acute intermittent porphyria. And this is due to a mutation in the PBG deaminase. And so again, stress and smoking can trigger exacerbations, as well as alcohol, oral contraceptive pills, sulfonamides, anticonvulsants, and the list goes on and on. Patients who are in acute exacerbations can present with abdominal pain, constipation, nausea, vomiting. They can have hyponatremia from SIADH, and they can have neuropsychiatric symptoms. And so these patients are also at an increased risk of hepatomas, and having multiple acute intermittent porphyria attacks can lead to hypertension and renal failure over time. So it's important to diagnose, treat, and prevent these attacks. 
In addition to AIP, we have variegate porphyria, which is a deficiency in protoporphyrogen oxidase. This affects Dutch heritage most uh, commonly. So if they give you any kind of Dutch as a buzzword in the vignette, this is what they're talking about. These patients also have neurologic, dermatologic, and GI symptoms. And then lastly, you have hereditary coproporphyria, which is a deficiency in copoporphyrogen oxidase. These are important to know, definitely. And so what last do we check to diagnose these acute porphyrias? So symptoms are associated with increased excretion of porphyrin precursors. And so this is the PBG and the ALA. The excess porphyrin metabolites, they're secreted within our urine and our stools. And so we need to collect these as specimens. You want to collect the urine or stool specimens during acute exacerbations. You want to make sure the specimens have minimal light exposure. And the diagnosis of acute porphyrias is made when PBG or ALA is greater than five times the upper limit of normal. So commonly what we do is we check the urine porphyrin first. If that is negative, you can stop your workup. This is not porphyria. If it is positive, then you check a 24-hour urine ALA and PBG. If that is positive, we move on one more step and we check a 24-hour stool, copoporphyrin, and protoporphyrin. If these are negative, you've made the diagnosis of acute intermittent porphyria. If the fecal protoporphyrins are decreased, then you've made the diagnosis of variegate porphyria. If the fecal copoporphyrin is elevated, you made the diagnosis of hereditary copoporphyria. So first off is the urine porphyrin um, is really important. I feel like I had to look this up multiple times during my hematology consults months as a fellow. And I always refer to the up-to-date article when seeing a patient that we suspected might have porphyria. Again, most of the time the patient did not end up having porphyria, but important to have that on your differential diagnosis in some cases. And so how do we treat exacerbations of acute porphyrias? So I think other than diagnosing, treating is the second you know, most testable thing that they can ask us. And so number one, we need to remove any offending agents that cause the trigger or the exacerbation. So remove the drugs, decrease the stressors, quit smoking. Um, after that, we also need to do dextrose. So dextrose helps by decreasing heme synthesis. So we load our patients with 500 grams daily um, during these acute flares. Next thing that we talk about is hemin, which decreases porphyrin production. And we use this for respiratory and neurologic decompensation. We dose it at four milligrams per kilogram for four days. If a patient is getting hemin, we need to monitor for DIC and renal failure. In addition to the dextrose and the hemin, we need to correct dehydration and the hyponatremia. We need to treat patient's pain. And we can also give subcutaneous monthly injection of givisarin. Again, for the heme consult cases that we saw for suspected or confirmed porphyria, always start with that dextrose load. And then we had to special order the heme in with special approval from pharmacy um, for four-day dosing. And then we did present the gofacirin at our journal club a few years mm -hmm. ago. It was one of the newer treatments uh, that can reduce the exacerbations of acute porphyrias. And so now that we've covered the acute porphyrias, can you tell us more about the chronic cutaneous porphyrias? Most definitely. So 
Chronic um, cutaneous porphyrias, you know, we think about that blistering of the skin. So patients should always avoid the sun. And so diving in a little bit further, we talk about porphyria cutanea tarda, which is the most common chronic cutaneous porphyria, and hopefully the only one you guys should have to know about for boards. And so this is associated with uroporphyrogen 3 decarboxylase deficiency. And so when the uro uroporphyrins, they are phototoxic. And so when they're exposed to light, that causes the blistering of the skin. This PCT is also associated with increased iron storage and iron overload. And hepatitis C can be a trigger for symptoms. So this should be a buzzword and they might include it in the vignettes. And so our diagnosis of PCT is with the urine uroporphyrin level. And the treatment is to remove the iron through phlebotomy or iron chelation until the ferritin is less than 50. And then also we should be treating that hepatitis C. Two additional chronic cutaneous porphyrias are congenital erythropoietic porphyria. This is extremely rare. This happens in the pediatric realm. It is a deficiency in the uroporphyrin-3 synthase. And you actually treat this with transfusions and you talk about stem cell transplant. And lastly, we think about urethropoietic protoporphyria, which is a defect in the ferrochelatase. And we treat this with an injection every two months. And then we also can consider that are stem cell transplants, but I don't think you guys will be tested on those. I think PCT and AIP are the two that you guys should know about. Yeah. And I do think we had a question on PCT, uh, whether it was on our in-service or our actual exam and about the need for phlebotomy when you have iron overload until the ferritin is less than 50. So definitely commit that to memory. And so wonderful summary of our porphyrias. So Sam, what are our key takeaways? So porphyrias are caused by defects in the heme biosynthesis pathway. We make the diagnosis when the ALA and the PBG are checked during acute exacerbations and the levels are greater than five times the upper limit of normal. AIP is is a defect in the PBG deaminase. And so we treat AIP flares with dextrose, hemin, uh, givoseran, and supportive measures. For PCT, this is a deficiency in the uroporphyrogen decarboxylase. You get that skin blistering with sun exposure. Also, you think of that buzzword of hepatitis C infection, since that could be the triggering enticing factor. And the way that we treat PCT is phlebotomy or iron chelation until the ferritin is less than 50, and then also treat that hepatitis C, which is the trigger. As always, thank you for listening. Happy Halloween to everyone. That was a wonderful summary. Um, Enjoy trick-or-treating if you are participating and We hope that everyone is also taking some time for themselves uh, in these last few weeks leading up to the exam. Remember, self-care is important and being well-rested going into your exam is very, very important. Um, And as always, reach out to us with corrections or comments on our Instagram, 2.onc.docs. Awesome. Happy Halloween, guys. Go out there and get all that candy. Have a good one. Mm -hmm.